Probably science. My name's Andy Wood, and I am joined by. I'm Matt Kirshen. Hey, I'm Jesse Case. Yes, all three You're, of us. Yeah, we're places. we're doing it. We're all over the map. Um, I uh, I I, I cut my finger trying to cook quickly before I ate. So uh, before I Ooh. recorded. So uh, so you you might hear just the sound of me tending a wound in the background. That's that's. The little extra sound effect that you've got here right now. What were you chopping up? What's going on? I was what chopping you... some parsley. Oh, whoa. Yeah, okay, that's so how sophisticated in... my cooking is. You were doing proper cooking. Yeah. Oh. What was the parsley going to be uh, garnishing? It was going to go into it was going into some polenta that was going to have an egg on top. In fact, it did have an egg on top. And and a little speck of blood as well, just for an extra little flavor. Yeah, a little yeah. iron. You got to get some iron in there. Yeah, wow. and the best the best way to always get nutrients is to take it from your body already. So it just it stays at a constant level. That's what they always say. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's just us three today, then I assume. No, we have. What? What are you talking guest, about? Yes, a guest who I, I believe I've known for about ten years uh, since he first came to Bridgetown to do crappy cinema council. Now you may know him as the owner of the best bar in downtown Los Angeles, which of Whoa. course is, is Bernadette's. It's Jim Van Blericum. Hello. Thank hey, you. Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. That is a great bar. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. How, how have things been in the last year and a half, or I guess in the last few months? Are things pretty... Uh, I'm going to say not great. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are actually... <laughs> we haven't announced it, but when does this podcast come out? Uh, like almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're announcing it this afternoon, but we're actually closing at the end of the month. No. Oh God, I could take all that out if you want. <laughs> uh, if you want. If I don't well, no. You just you. got I, people super pumped to check out this yeah. bar. Yeah. I there's a time limit. Come check. Well, it let's. Out. Yeah. Let's leave it in. Actually, go out with yes. a bang. <laughs> Good yeah. point. It's a great yeah. bar. So go downtown and go to Bernadette's. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're you know, COVID has been pretty tough, and uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, I've made my piece of it, and uh, we're just excited to you know have people for the next couple of weeks come in and check it out and say goodbye to our regulars and you know people who would be regulars if they had the time to be. Right, right. What what becomes of the Tapper video game? Uh, I'm gonna put it in storage. You can buy it if you want. Oh, that was the first time I'd ever seen that game. I don't know if it was popular when it debuted, but it's a game where you you are a bartender and you have to be. You've got a time limit. You've got to start serving everybody. These hungry, thirsty customers are hounding your bar. Oh, yeah, wow. it's a, like a waking nightmare for somebody that runs a <laughs> bar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess that that was popular in the like early mid-80s, and they released it for a couple of years, and then parents started complaining because it literally has Budweiser stuff in it. Yeah. You're serving <laughs> beers. And so they recalled them and kind of reissued them as Root Beer Tapper. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Just put the guy in like a different little outfit and change the color of the drinks from yellow to brown. You know what? You right. know what I recently watched was um, this last week was the 60th anniversary of the Flintstones airing. 60? Oh. Really? <clears throat> yeah. When the Flintstones first came out. I thought it was like thousands of years ago. <laughs> no, that's. Yeah. No, it was like. I mean, it was like a hundred thousand years ago or something. But I. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I took a break from using a bird beak on my record player, and I decided to watch <laughs> uh, that. Okay, well, I, this is automatically going to go off the rails, but where did the sound, the bird's 
butthole, are we assuming? Is the sound? A good question. Yeah, were the <laughs> wings the, the sort of, um, I don't know. Yeah. Where the sound came from? Um, so I watched it, and it's great. It's black and white, and, you know, it, there, it's the pilot episode, new cartoon, right? The Flintstones. And in the middle, uh, he, he takes a break. They break the fourth wall, and Fred Flintstone, like, looks at the camera, and he's like, you know, after a day of uh, hunting woolly mammoths or whatever, um, he's like, I'd like to settle down with a Winston cigarette. And, no. Yeah. And he's got, he's got, like, a stone ashtray, and he lights up a cigarette, and, like, he's watching TV and, like, a Winston sign. It's, it's incredible. I love it. That's wow, amazing. <laughs> Kids, first, you know, you want a Winston cigarette. That's the first show to ever uh, show a married couple sleeping in the same bed. Is that so? I thought it we was had, like... Like, I Love Lucy and stuff. They had, like, you know, Lucy and Desi had separate beds. Yeah, separate beds. Flintstones just didn't give a shit. Wow. They were well, like, yeah, I, these guys are fucking. It's the... I, I know Laverne and Shirley was the first one to show full anal. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, it had been implied before. Right. It had been implied. They set it up in a lot of, I mean, it was a lot of foreshadowing. Um, so, Jim, you're a very tough man to Google because of this guy in prison. Oh, uh, that guy. That guy yeah. tried to sue me once. He tried to take my, uh, I had jimvanblaricum.com for a while uh, and let it lapse. But the dude sued me uh, for, like, misappropriating his name. Uh, he had some scam going on where he... Uh, was trying to sell like oil and gas futures and he would sign up for every block like anything from 2004 to like 2009 where you could sign up for a free account or a free blog so like myspace but like weird stuff like uh, last.fm he would copy and paste articles about the oil and gas industry and just at random points in the story copy and paste the words Jim Van Blaricum <laughs> in the paragraphs <laughs> to try to like game the Google SEO, algorithm yeah. so that wow. you would type in like Jim Van Blaricum and it was all these articles about like the oil and gas industry so he had he's been sued for fraud a bunch of times I think he's currently like you said in prison for he's in prison he's some eight, oil and gas securities fraud he's 82 now and his Twitter is great because the avatar like the the picture of him is a uh, like one of the most filtered hair dyed black not an 82 year old things i've ever seen yeah. <laughs> um i love it i love it but no i, I haven't looked it, him up on twitter i forgot to look there. i no. I, uh, well his last tweet was in 2011 i think he figured they were onto him yeah um but also i was he, ordered to pay 32 million dollars in restitution <laughs> 32 million yeah he also he tried to uh uh like steal secrets from in and out and open a competing thing called like Van Blaricum Burger or like Lightning Burger <laughs> uh, in Texas. So he paid somebody to go become a manager at in and out somewhere in California and like bring him the documents like just to find out how they made hamburgers. Like they're doing it in front of you. So I'm a teenager makes it every day. You can probably figure it out, dude. There's right. no great mystery about this process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how is how is Subway making these sandwiches? How are they doing? Uh, Guys, no. bread is the key. Bread. We, we haven't been using bread or buns. So, yeah. So they scoop the vegetables. <laughs> so, yeah, it's weird because, I, you know, uh, full disclosure, uh, Jim and I have not have not met. So they were. Um, uh, so, you know, I gave it a Google and I was like and then further full disclosure, I was so pumped to have that guy on. I was like, how does Andy know this guy? <laughs> yeah, how, I don't know the who Andy has been, changed you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who Andy's been hanging out with Ponzi scheme guys, um, oil consultants, but this is incredible. Yeah, next week so we've got else. the Lularoe folks on. Yeah, 
<laughs> he also, uh, for a while, had a testimonial that was on some Russian like mail order bride website uh, that said <laughs> I, it was like a little photo of him, and it said, "I have found the woman's of my dreams." <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> repeat, repeat, mail order bride customer. Hell yeah! My blurb just reads "is nice." That's all I get. <laughs> wow, wow! I always have the Amber Alert car every time. <laughs> uh, like uh, I, so these days I'm driving. I mean, it's similar. I'm driving a uh, I'm driving a champagne colored Chevy Equinox, a 2011 champagne colored Chevy Equinox, which is like the white Bronco of. Uh, you know, uh, custody disputes. And it, it's just every time. And I'm always like, I'll be driving down the street and they have those lit ups. You know, they have the signs. Like, if you've seen this car, and I'm just like, ah, shit. And uh, it's, it's every time. Horrible. Seems like a very sensible four cylinder uh, mini SUV or SUV. It is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very, it's a very sensible vehicle. Um, Wait, is it the V6? No, no, oh, okay. I, I've got a V4. Okay. And the uh, wait V four are there ever V fours? Oh, not a V four four cylinder. Sorry, not yeah. a V. I've got a V two. It's just a V shaped thing. I mean, um, I don't know engines. It's possible there are V fours. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Someone's going to email us. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. No, it's a four cylinder. Okay. And the uh, sensors that tell the tire psi are broken, so it just always says my four tires are flat. And in those, uh, that, in those words. Yeah, and that's the story of my car. Um, Jim, we always like to ask our guests this um, every time, and it can be literally anything. It could be science fair projects. It could be a class you liked, whatever. Do you, if any, have any background in science? And it can be that can be as vague as possible. Uh, I like vague. Uh, nothing direct, I guess. Uh, I grew up in my parents. My mom taught earth science uh, before she had me, but she's you know a scientist and a botanist. Uh, my dad is also. Uh, an aerospace radar engineer, so well, it's going to up with like you know, that's probably being interested in yeah, like, that counts. Yeah, yeah I have like Aviation Week magazine on the living room coffee table and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I've always been interested in that element of it, and then uh, also I hate math. So every time I got interested in a science, it was just like math would show up, and I'd be like, "Oh, you again? I'm out." Yeah, <laughs> that's how yeah. they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> all a conspiracy by big was, math was your dad always making like rocket scientist jokes like uh, what are you a rocket does. scientist you got it <laughs> i am actually yeah uh yeah <laughs> sometimes all right nice nice um no that's that's uh that's extremely cool that's it that's an awesome that sounds awesome i'd love that's to have going up you know wow. when did when did your uh when did your hatred of math get supplanted by a love of bad film by the way Oh, that's been around forever. That, uh, <laughs> I used to watch you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space as a kid. Uh, but yeah, math is uh, my mortal enemy, and I will <laughs> fight it until I die. I get, it's not very accessible. I get it. I don't know how to fix it. Like, everybody hates Common Core, but then when I hear about how Common Core is taught, I'm like, that kind of makes sense. Like, that is kind of how you should learn it. We've, we've, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this on the show before. It's it's confusing just because they're teaching things the other way around and they're not maybe explaining what they're doing. But it's actually, like, when it comes you... to things like subtraction... So it's basically a different... You know, like, the sort of ritualistic ways we learn to do certain sums? Like, if you need to do... 
if you need to divide, then you 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 write this. Uh, you write the line like this, and you write the number that you're dividing by on the left of it, and then and then you uh, you carry these numbers. You know, it's just all all of that sort of process. Like right. this is subtraction. You carry the one. You carry the whatever. Um, and Common Core is just a different way of doing those same sums, but it's it's kind of it's the more intuitive way in certain situations. Like it's the way like for subtraction, it's the way that you would work out change if you were in a shop and didn't have a cash register that told you what the numbers were. Like, it's just counting up from the lower number rather than counting down from the higher number. Right, right. So, you know, like, if someone's working out change out of $10, they don't go, like, okay, 10 minus 8.99, so you go, like, 10, there's a zero, okay, so we need to carry the that, you need to cross off the one, and that becomes a nine, uh, and then you do the nine minus the eight is one. Instead, you go, like, okay, 8.99 counting up to 10. You go, like, 8.99, and a cent gives you $9, and another dollar gives you 10. That's how you do it. So it's, like, counting up that way. Or for division, if I have real life division to do, and I'm not gonna sit, to, I'm not gonna take out my calculator. I'm just gonna make a guess at multiplying the one number to get close to the other one and see how close I like do that quick multiplication in my head. If what I have to get is something functional in real life and not the exact division of two three digit numbers, you know? Hmm. Yeah, or am I crazy? Of, I don't know. It's no, just part no, of the no. problem is like everybody approaches it in their own way, right? Everybody sort of conceptually in their brain breaks apart the numbers and puts them back together. Uh, and I think with like Matt, what you were saying with like Common Core, it's everybody was taught a different way when they were a kid. Maybe over the years you've developed like the shorthands that you talk about. But like when you look at it, the way that it's being presented, it's hard to reconceptualize sort of what you're doing to those numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which is something yeah. maybe like develops over the, over time. Yeah, as so you exactly, use exactly that. Like you've learned your you've learned your methods, and then they're teaching a different method to the kids, and they're both valid methods. And all right, now there's a cat fight happening next to me. That's <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. I, I feel horrible for the parents that you know during the pandemic you sort of have to homeschool your kids, and like everything's just uh, the information itself is different. It's like you like Pluto isn't a planet there's no brontosaurus there's yeah like it's the, just a, the way a, i see it though is like it's like it's payback it's like the reversed version of when you play their version of trivial pursuit oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah when they get their version down Genius. from the 80s and it's just like the, the correct answer is rhodesia <laughs> no but it's it's like you think like you think you feel old because you still listen to sonic youth or whatever imagine like our math is different you know what I mean? You're just like, oh my god! The I'm very so nature old. of numbers have changed. Yeah, number. I'm so fucking old. Something fundamental and eternal and never changing is. Yeah, that's that's narcissistically why when we talked last week about all those extinctions, a narcissistic part of me is like, God, I feel old. You know, like I'm I'm gonna have to tell kids someday, like I remember those woodpeckers. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's just like you're so fucking old. Ugh. Yeah. Weird. Uh, Jim, what color house did you have growing up? It was white. Was it? White Ooh. stucco. It was, okay, so it was white stucco. So they so they just painted the stucco, or I don't know how the stucco is. Uh, yeah, you just spray paint the stucco, I guess. Well, boy, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the white paint community. Um, but we have some crazy stuff. I don't have the link to the story. I was trying to do a segue. It was going to be smooth. <laughs> We have a few different choices for which version of it, but um, I know, Matt, you also did a fair amount of research on this story for you, for one of your writing gigs. Um, 
So yeah. I can link to one version of the story and see if yeah, the, this is this is an ongoing an ongoing task to find whiter paints and and also I think that there are there are other labs finding different coloured paints that are also incredibly reflective. But the basic idea is it's an incredibly old technology. It's an incredibly old technique. If you go somewhere in like the Mediterranean, for example, you'll see large numbers of buildings are entirely white, and the reason is that's natural cooling. It reflects most of the or reflects a larger amount of the solar radiation, keeps the houses naturally cool without having to spend money and energy on things like air conditioning, fans, or anything else like that. Uh, but obviously, your your store-bought white paint only reflects so much light yeah, this, and, so this, mu- and so much UV as well. This is the white paint that doctors don't want you to know about. That's, that's just... <laughs> exactly. This <laughs> one trick to get the whitest roof ever. Yeah, Sherman Williams has been hiding this secret from this one weird trick. <laughs> um, it's just baking soda. It's baking soda and lemon. That's all it is. <laughs> I thought it was always apple cider vinegar. Yeah, that's the it other seems thing. Seems like all the weird tricks are always apple cider vinegar. Well, because we've done a story before about the the darkest paint. You know, they made a a new black paint. Vanta that, black. Uh, yeah, that is so black. It's uh, it's crazy. I mean, even the photos of it were like insane. Um. But yeah, can't we, even, yeah, we got a whiter paint, you guys. Right. I mean, I, so, so Matt, did you actually get to interact with a version of this super white paint on um, in the production of, of the show? No, I didn't, uh, and I missed I missed the Zoom call while we were talking to one of the scientists who was involved in this, which oh, is, was man. annoying. Hmm. Well, guys, I'll tell you something. It's the whitest paint you'll ever see in your fucking life. Okay. <laughs> and scientists hope it'll help battle against uh, the battle against climate change. Um, no word on if it helps the war on Christmas. I don't know which yeah. side it'll be on. Uh, they say it could make air conditioning obsolete. That's how white this fucking paint is. Yeah, it's so white. It's actually uh, recently moved to Portland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys watch, not to digress too far, but like, did you watch SNL with James Austin Johnson this weekend? That's what I'm going to call the guy was in everything. Home. It was so great. Yeah. <laughs> I did friend of the show, James Austin Johnson. It's just so And Nashville, Nashville original, right? He's one of, yeah, he's one yeah. of the old, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's one of our lot. I was uh, he had the funniest wedding I've ever been to, um, yeah. hilarious wedding. And what was particularly funny about it? Like their vows, and they were just doing a whole like the whole thing was like a joke. Even like their first dance, they, they it was like intentionally very very bad. Like they didn't know how to dance, and like you know kept like bumping into each other and stuff. Uh, he and his <laughs> wife Rebecca. And, and what's extra funny is you know there were a lot of sort of. Not evangelical, but um, grew up grew up in a very Christian community, and so the family was taking everything very seriously. And they were sort of like, they were like tanking their own wedding. It was very funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was very very funny. Um, but yeah, just out of the gate, I'm, you know, when someone's a featured player, you expect they'll have a line or two, maybe, and yeah. uh, and then cold open, boom, Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, he's the new president, which, um, if I remember rightly from my scant knowledge of SNL, the, the person who plays the president tends to get quite a lot of screen time just yep. by default. Fair yeah. amount of job security for a little while, too. Yeah. And his, I mean, the car sketch when he was Larry the Cable Guy as Tow Mater, that yeah, also perfect. did a spit take at that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Weekend Update joke about this paint was, it's so white. Colin Jost says, it's so white, I'm its favorite part of SNL. Ah. Yeah. Oh, I gotta be I honest with you. I was making dinner through uh, Weekend Update, so I missed any of the monologue jokes. It apologies, really, I, apologies I, to Colin and Michael. 
Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was a it's good a SNL of, all the way through. I thought a lot of parsley to chop. Uh, Casey yeah. Musgraves was naked. Another <laughs> another Nashville uh, another Nashvillian. Is she uh, Nashvillian? Yeah. That was. Yeah. Uh, do you think yes. that was intentional? Um, I, I think maybe for, it was just a wardrobe problem. She forgot something, yeah. and they're like, "Here, here's a guitar, you know? Also, um, not, to, not to make this entirely about my cats, but one of them is now sniffing deeply into the microphone, and I need you to know that so that listeners don't hear, like, heavy breathing just when you're talking about Casey Musgraves being naked. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> I'm not the one, like, sniffing into the microphone and then rubbing my cheeks against it. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> to that. leave some of my scent on the wind, sh- on the wind guard. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, you with your obscene caller breathing. I've always said that about you. <laughs> That's um, uh, I don't know. I don't Jim, know how many other uh, people came out of um lockdown with just dumb bits. The like, but our dumb house bit has been consistently blaming anything the cat does on each other. I was oh, like, hey, okay. so like, hey babe, like did you <laughs> did you take one of the coasters off of the table and then drag it behind the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, did you did you leave did you leave bite marks uh, <laughs> in the in this power cord because you thought it was the tail of a little mouse? Wow. <laughs> that is a fun bit. I uh, I live alone, just me and my cat, and I've gone crazy. I've gone. <laughs> yeah. I've gone. You doing fully... that to yourself? No, I've gone fully crazy. The amount that I, I like, I just. Hey talk Jesse, to myself... did you just uh, did you just walk on the sheets after standing in the sink and just make the sheets all wet? Did you just do that to your to me? Yeah, I uh, I talk to myself all day. I talk to myself when I'm driving. Like it comes with me out in public, and I'm like, this is a pro- this is a problem. Yeah, you know. I've been talking to myself a lot more, and even though I am living with someone, and also I've realized I can mutter to myself when I'm out and about if I'm wearing a mask, and that no one knows that. Oh, that is fun. Yeah, but it's fun, but it's also bad. It's just another bad social habit that I'm gonna have to break. Like also realizing that I can't just stare at people. Like I just my eye line has to be normal. Wait, what does that zo- have to do with the mask? That, that's been Zoom, like being oh, it uh, highlights like, after, the eyes. Yeah, like after four months of, like four or five months of not going anywhere at all, and then a few months of gradually going places. I just realized I just I unlearned how to look naturally at people, right? Like just right. to not sort yeah. of stare at people, like they're just a person on the screen. Zoom has messed everything up. Oftentimes, while well, I'll be sitting there, you know, like a Starbucks or something, and I'll just sort of put my thumb up in the air and, like, press it against something invisible and start masturbating. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, uh, it'll get you in a lot of trouble. Um, Jim, nude Casey Musgraves, thoughts? Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why that was so funny. <laughs> I'm just going to rub up against the microphone as well. <laughs> yeah. um, she, she actually was. I, I thought you were kidding because I had... I watched no, no, on, she was fully nude. YouTube, she went full nude. I skimmed past it. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I, I skip past the music things every time. That sound on that stage is just dog shit. Oh, yeah, it's not, a great, it's not a great sound. That yeah. is weird that they've been doing the show for 41 years and haven't worked out how to mic bands properly and sound and mix the <laughs> yeah. sounds. Well, I bet I bet if you had a certain kind of sound system at home, I bet it might sound good. It might have to do with like the number of channels. I, I don't know. Just you're a better audio engineer. Is that possible? I, I don't know. I feel like I, but I there know. are other live TV shows, like the late night shows generally the bands sound good. And in the UK, there are TV shows that have bands on that sound like like, re- like, I think I I know there are like musicians listening to this who might disagree with me, but like Jules Holland, for example, in the UK that has bands on, like that's the whole show, and they right. always sound good. Like they always sound like really good versions and really good mixes of their songs. Oh. And then SNL, which has had 
is it actually is it 50 years now it's been 47 it's been on longer than i've been alive yeah. and yeah. they and no one's yet worked out how to mix sound live and make it sound decent well it's because yeah, the math was different math was different back then. <laughs> right. oh, they just, they're adding up the channel right now you got to take away the channels and yep. you got to do take away the kilohertz um so this, so this paint. Yes. Yeah, because this, speaking of taking things away, you got to take away that heat. This yeah, paint reflects ninety-eight point one percent of solar radiation. That's a lot. While also emitting infrared heat, because it absorbs less heat from the sun than it emits. A surface coated with this paint, says the university, is cooled below the surrounding temperature without co- consuming power. Adding that a typical commercial white paint gets warmer, not cooler. Researchers did an outdoor test with an ambient temperature of 43 degrees Fahrenheit. The paint lowered the sample temperature by an additional 18 degrees. What? So it can, how, okay, I didn't know this part. I thought at best you're getting like none of the light heat, none of the heat that's coming from light is getting absorbed. But they're saying it's actually emitting more than than is hitting it. So does that mean that like, if you paint a whole city with this, like you're just essentially turning the space between buildings and houses and stuff into like a convection oven, right? Like if you go it's to reflecting a city, out. it has like, to go yeah. somewhere else. Uh, well, it's yeah. reflecting. Hopefully, yeah. it's reflecting back up to space. Like I guess, yeah, you don't want it to be sort of reflecting onto people. Uh, yeah, like like have you guys ever stood in front of uh, the Disney concert hall at certain times of day when it becomes oh, a, God, m- it's mini, a mini death ray? Uh, yeah, wasn't there? Was it? Was that the building where one of those buildings downtown? I think it was that one. They actually had to change the frontage. They had to change the glass on it because yeah, they had to burnish, it was, it was like make it less shiny so it didn't. It was quite... blinding drivers, I think. It, yeah. Well, it was also like one of them, and I think there was another building actually. It might not have been the Disney one that was acting as like a para as a parabolic. Yeah, it's, it makes sense. The but it was actually like focusing light onto a point, so it was right. basically acting like a magnifying glass and ants. Because it's the Gary, like smooth. Yeah, so it acts like a satellite dish and parabolic antenna, like you said. And I, th- I think I've stood in front of it at times when you're like you're getting heated up extra. It's not like it's actually going to burn your skin like it would if they hadn't changed the finish on it. But like, yeah, certain times a day, so, stars align and make it. Yeah. So Purdue says using the paint to cover a roof area of about a thousand square feet could result in cooling power of 10 kilowatts, which is more powerful than the air conditioners used by most houses. This is how this paint could help make a dent in curbing climate change. The World Economic Forum wrote in in 2019 that emissions from room air conditioners alone could increase global temperature by nearly one degree Fahrenheit by 2100 or 2000, the year 2100. That um, is... Yeah, because it, 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 that is that vicious cycle thing of, like, the warmer it gets, the more people run air conditioning to cool their houses down, which uses more energy, which causes more warming. Right. Mm. So, so- that, that there, are, there are two things that make this paint so white. A very high concentration of a chemical compound called barium sulfate, which is also used in photo paper and cosmetics, and different particles different particle sizes of barium sulfate in the paint. So this is what we were talking to one of the scientists about. What wavelength of sunlight each particle scatters depends on its size. So a wider range of particle sizes allows the paint to scatter more of the light spectrum from the sun. Hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's so hard to separate these concepts on this small level from the macro, which is like color. So if, if it absorbs all wavelengths except for the wavelengths that are in the green part of the spectrum, something looks green. So I, I, I don't get how this is different from just what gives anything it's color or lack of color. Well, it, a couple of different things. Firstly, it's just the sheer amount of it. So 
something that's like the the white door that I'm looking at right now is reflecting a wide spectrum of light. It's reflecting a wide number of colors, um, but Which it's reflecting like a little some of the little bits of the red spectrum and little bits of the green spectrum and little bits of the blue spectrum, and they all combine to look white. And also, it's probably reflecting. I'm I'm gonna pick a number out of thin air, but let's say it's reflecting forty percent of the light that hits it, and the rest is absorbing it. So that's mm-hmm. why the light. That's why if I look at the light bulb directly, it's brighter than if I look at the door that's reflecting the light from the light bulb. Um, but but I wonder if like uh, on any substance, even if one that, yeah, on any white substance, not even the barium sulfate one, if you zoomed in close enough, is the reason that you are seeing it as white, as in like getting the pretty full spectrum of of light because it also has varying particle sizes like you know is this um, how every kind of light become how every kind of color becomes the color it is no I, I don't level? think so i don't think so i if i had to guess and again please listeners science science literate listeners who know better than me particularly material scientists correct me if, I, if this is way off but i suspect the white paint has uh let me think it would it would absorb some but not all of all parts of the spectrum um, but would it be different particle sizes? I, would it be like because basically, it's made up of different molecules? It's probably because it's... Oh, no, but then again, certain... Di- nah. I just broke my own brain trying to think about what actually makes anything a different color from anything else. Yeah, because like, barium sulfate... Of, if you had barium sulfate of one color alone, I think it would still be reflecting... It was, I mean, of one particle size alone, it would still look white. So it would be absorbing some red and some blue and some green light but it would be reflecting a bunch of all of those as well so when it's saying particle size and like the particle sizes are different if it's the same compound it's essentially just means the little like bits of that compound that are like uh uh in the medium of the paint right because paint is just a, a pigment with a glue so the glue has different size tiny white balls in it basically yes is my understanding and each of those little size of particles scatter different bits of the spectrum in different amounts but having a just whole stream of scatters on, a huge amount of the spectrum just purely based on the surface size the surface area of each of those particles yeah yes. like if if like okay. what you're saying like the glue normally it it comes from the the tiny white balls and spreads um <laughs> it just sort of shoots a ray of the okay and arcing ropes of <laughs> sure <laughs> Where are you uh, reading this from, Jesse? I, I, if you jump ahead the, on me. Oh, no, this is the... I'm so sorry. This is the article you texted me, not the one you put in the group chat. Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. Oh. This was our private... Sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, so th- thank you, the listener who se- sent in that other story as well that we, <laughs> oh. we don't have time for today. Oh, speaking of listener corrections, um, I got a quick one on Twitter here regarding something sort of unscientific we were talking about last week. Um, those tiny flowers they saw at the gas station... Uh, those are for both meth and crack. Okay. Multi-purpose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to all of our, you know, various uh, people in the meth community and crack community uh, listeners. Uh, yeah. If we've offended any of you by uh, making you feel unincluded. And thank, thanks, Dina, for sending that in. And also... Think, did we just out Dina as a crackhead or method? Tweeted, she tweeted it in the public okay. domain. That's she's just, just okay. she's an energetic person. Or just someone who is familiar, who is you know familiar with the sales uh, 
inventory of a regular of a gas station yeah well it's i mean also, like- also jessa reed she also sent in the link to jessa reed's um this is not happening story on comedy central which includes a bit about being a meth addict and trying to get excess meth from pee oh right that's right that does work which we it? had talked about last time hmm and i why i also realize why, why do only certain things get hit like can it be meth or crack enthusiast? Why does it always head for those? Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. I don't I, know because I go. I I do my meth like my meth comes from the heart. Well, yeah. it, does it depend on where you ingest it? I mean, no one says heroin head because you're shooting it up. Oh, you know, yeah, is it true? Is it just because of the inhalation is in the head? It happens from the head. But then you're not you're not a booze head. You're a booze hound. That's true. So, by the way, the, the researchers say they, mm. they could go even whiter, but they can't go much more without causing the paint to break or peel off. And they've already fi- filled uh, patent applications, and researchers are working with a company to scale up the paint to put on the market. The blackest black, which we talked about before, is Vanta Black, which absorbs up to 99.9% of visible light. I, uh, I yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic about this this white paint as a desert dweller. I do want to... I was gonna. I was thinking exactly that for you, because you're you, the top of your building would look perfectly fine if you painted it with ultra ultra white i wouldn't care yeah and if it if it saved you a fairly hefty air conditioning bill every year yeah yeah it's got to be cheaper than it's got to be cheaper than putting those solar panels up and getting a power wall and doing all going all elon yeah i mean it would we'd all have to wear sunglasses all the time I mean, it would just be if, a, if our world n- is is surrounded by the brightest whites ever yeah it'd just be a nightmare you know it'd be like uh I don't know. It's like it's like when uh, like after a blizzard or something, a lot of people don't know to throw on sunglasses or you know. Oh, very good analogy. Yeah, that would be life in cities would be blinding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have to be... wear those little uh, like Arctic goggles with the tiny slit in the middle. Love those. I've always loved. I've always <laughs> it's a loved great the look. look of those. I've always yeah. thought that was very cool. Um, so booze hound, um, booze is the that's a slang term for alcohol derived from Middle Dutch word boosen. Oh. Um, but boosin means to drink to excess. So I don't know where hound got added on it. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's a good call. I mean, uh, the difference between hound and head. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and an ick. Just alcoholic, but not meth. Uh, meth. Uh, meth ick. Oh, then turning a hall into... Like, like gate is meant to now mean all controversies where it's, no, it's part of the name of the hotel, adding the aholic to anything. It's like, no, it's part of the word alcohol. Yeah. Is that a Simpsons? Did the Simpsons do that? Well, there was Rage-a-hol? that onion. There was the onion. Oh, rage. Yeah. But there's the onion thing. I'm, I'm like a chocoholic, but for booze. For <laughs> one, of the, one of the best all-time onion that's, things. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a workaholic, but for Miller Lite. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's very funny. Um, We've got a bunch of tweeted in stories, by the way. I, I feel like we sh- we're long overdue a t- little Twitter run. Yeah, lay, well, lay, lay into it. I, I no longer have access. Guys, I'm not even in the Twitter bio anymore. You took me out of the bio. Oh, we need to Wait, you what? Back in there. We don't use that. was my tw- request. Yeah, no, I know. Jim, Jim wrote in uh, requesting that. I had um, a lot of demands. So, so this story <laughs> sent in by uh, sent in by Baz Lovenberg from Science.org. Oh, Baz! I don't, I don't know if you've had any interactions with sea snakes charging towards you. 
But mm. next time you do, just be aware that they might just be looking for love, according to this science.org story. Olive sea snakes are known for swimming up to divers and even wrapping around their limbs, a scary behavior from a large reptile with a potentially deadly bite. To figure out why the sea snakes seem so interested in people, researchers analyzed 250 hours of activity recorded off the coast of northeastern Australia. Where else? Males are more likely than females to approach humans, and they're also more likely to approach during breeding season, the team concluded this week in scientific reports. The scientists advise against swimming away if you ever find yourself face-to-face -face with a sea snake, <laughs> as, the, as the motion might mimic a female's courtship response and encourage the male to give chase in a kind of Benny Hill scenario. Yeah. Yeah. It, Instead, they say you should try to stay still and let the snake lick you. Lick you? <laughs> lick you? No, thanks. I, I, I actually like snakes, and there's no world in which I'm letting a snake lick me. <laughs> Just, but, but there is a world where you think you, I can outswim this sea-dwelling animal. I think if you're, if you're down there, if you're wearing fins, if you're scuba diving, I bet you could outswim a sea snake. No? I have no idea. I don't idea. know. I don't, I don't know. Let's... I think I'd give it a shot. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I wow. think, I think you know. Well, what happens I just after think now you know this information, if you swim away, we're just going to assume that you want it to chase you. Like, now you know, now you know that it's the deal. You're like, ooh, ooh, do I look like a female snake to you right now? Ooh, hope you don't chase me as I swim away. Yeah, he's sort of strategically <laughs> dropping things to pick up, you know, um, playing very hard to get. I, so what, so it licks you, and then what? At some point, you're going to be outed as not a female snake. <laughs> yeah, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> you know, at some point, it's going to be on your leg and realize this is not a female snake. And then I assume a bite follows that. It does also say, I didn't realize this because this was left out of the story. Now I found in my Googling, they had described it as highly venomous. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I didn't know they were highly ve venomous. Yeah. Hmm. So let's see how fast they can go. Um... What's the fastest like swimming speed, like of a human? Let's say no fins, Andy. You should. What's a what's a good time? Andy, you're a swimmer. Yeah. Can you say I had an autoplay that just suddenly played on one of my tabs, and I couldn't what, get it. What's a what's what's like the best like hundred meter swim time, like free? Uh, that would be hundred meter free. Forty six ninety one Cesar Cielo two thousand nine, forty six point nine one seconds for a hundred meters in a fifty meter pool. Okay. Yeah, you might be able to outswim it then, because uh. They are capable of bursts of up to one meter per second when when diving, fleeing, and feeding. Okay. Which is one meter per second is about sixty uh, seconds for. I mean, hundred seconds. seconds for hundred meters. Jeez. Yeah, and that, that's about that's about two and a bit miles per hour, which is half the half of the fastest speed recorded by a human swimming. Now, I would assume the sea snake, though, in an Olympic pool is a very fast turn. You know. Yeah, that's it's got probably yeah. more so well, than. And diving, also, you're weighed down with a bunch of shit, right? You yeah, but do they also get disqualified? And and... Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got your tank, that's slowing you down. Mm. Yeah, I guess you you're swimming can't... through salt water, so the water's a little bit more dense. I think you would probably... You're about to get fucked by that snake, I guess is my mm. point. The, sna the snake's gonna fuck you. So you just gotta let it lick you. Let it that's lick That's an interesting... You. Well, that's how it smells, right? It, it, it's yeah. just trying to smell you, and then it tastes neoprene or whatever, and it goes away. But you, I'm very curious now if there is a correlation between water's density, salinity, and how fast you can go through it if you aren't on the surface. Because if you're swimming on the surface, I bet you're faster in salt water because you're floating higher. But if you're underwater, I wonder if there actually is... Does denser water have more, like, drag? 
And there's, yeah, it's also definitely denser because there's more pressure, right? The deeper you go, like the more like compacted. Well, the... except w water doesn't actually compress. So yes, there's higher the water pressure in it. I don't, but I don't think, yes, the water pressure increases, but I don't think that the water's density increases as you go down. The salinity makes it denser than fresh water. I could be wrong. If a listener wants to correct that, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the special things about water is how impossibly hard it is to compress. Right. Yeah, because you, okay, so you definitely can swim, you get more buoyancy in salt water. But if you're underwater with the weights on the scuba tank, then that's out that's of the That's going to, yes, that'll be moot. It says uh, the salt water is a higher density than fresh water. Um, now, this this is a, this is more about floating, but right, um, right. the increase in speed in salt water makes you go faster, but it's one to two percent faster. Oh, that's all. Than fresh water. I'm super mm. fast in those uh, isolation chambers. Oh yeah, I can yeah. Get one side or the other, just like that. <laughs> have you guys, Jim? Have you done one of those float tanks? Hyper, hyper, no, hyperbaric, but, um, uh, Greg Barris was telling me about him. He does them a lot. Uh, I highly it recommend sounds it. cool, but yeah. Where do you do it? Well, I haven't done one in years because I live yeah. in the desert now, but uh, I, you're reminding me that I should go. I feel like it's... How are there not loads of them in the desert? That feels like... Joshua Tree feels exactly where there would be... You know, that's a great... <laughs> that's like, actually, aren't, aren't, you, aren't you really close to that? I can never remember the name of that thing. The Integratron. The, the Integratron. Integ yeah. I think actually there would be a decent market for that, or or at least in Palm Springs. And I think when I Googled it, there wasn't any, even in that Coachella Valley area. But, um, but no, I, I think it's a great, like it's equivalent amount of money to what you'd spend for like an hour massage. And after doing one of those for an hour, I definitely feel way more relaxed and reset than, than after a massage. So if you haven't tried it, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, sounds great. Or become Joe Rogan and uh, move to Texas and have one in your... Ha house or something wait how many sea snakes are usually in the tank with you how many snakes oh it varies <laughs> yeah. it's usually 10 to 12 it's usually the mm -hmm. hyperbaric like or the isolation yeah. tank snake number rogan really started out with the whole fear factor thing and then yeah. he's just like <laughs> you know what's interesting is i uh almost bought a pediatric iron lung uh for my cat there was That's a the Ernest Hemingway story, right? The, the short story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sale. One, one pediatric iron lung. Used a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, uh, it was a perfect, like, cat bed thing, and it came up for sale um, on Craigslist in my neighborhood. I didn't buy it. But I, I was just talking about, you know, hyperbaric chambers and stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I, I wish I bought it. You know? It would be pretty cool. I mean, you, you got to have a certain aesthetic in your place in general to have. I, that, I don't. Thing, it wouldn't but. match anything. Like I, I hate like steampunk shit. You know, which is weird because you know, I mean, Andy, you know that I like, you know, I'm into like repairing typewriters and yeah, such. Yeah, you should. You should be wearing a top hat with goggles on it right now. I hate that stuff. I hate. I hate gear. I hate cogs with no purpose. You know, I'm always just like, what the fuck? Are you? It makes no sense. Like, I, I hate the planet fitness layout. It's just a bunch of gears that aren't connected. Yeah. That's, their, that's their design scheme. A bunch of bad vector art gears. I hate it. Um, Although maybe it's sort of a metaphor for just like spinning your wheels. Like you're doing you're doing work to, to no end except exercise in the place. My, you're not actually, you know, you're not running a mill or something. Right. My planet fitness has a pizza day. What does um, that mean? It has a pizza day. It has okay. a day where you can come and get pizza every Monday. <laughs> they got loads of pizza down there. 
That's good. Sitting this whole pizza in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh. No, it's true. There's a there's a pizza day, and you can like use the pizza while you're on the elliptical, and it's or use the you know eat a slice of pizza. It's horrible. I hate it. It's like eight bucks a month. You know, <laughs> gonna keep going. This has been fun. It has been fun. <laughs> uh, the, the snake the snake courtship thing reminded me of a story that was making the rounds on social media over the last week, but now I suddenly can't find it. Have you guys seen the story about the zookeeper who begrudgingly has had to accept that he is basically married to this? I think it's a crane. Yeah, bird life guy. <laughs> so insane. <laughs> uh, and I can't now, but zoo- oh wait, I did find it. Okay, okay, that's right up Matt's alley. Apparently, he's Walnut. been wait- waiting for a I story. It, I think it's the word begrudgingly that really got me there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh well. I oh, guess that's what? my life now. This yeah. might have been a story we covered. This is actually a three-year-old story. Maybe it just went viral recently for some. I don't know why, but. Um, yeah, this is a female crane named Walnut. I'll post the link real quick. And as I'm scanning it, I, geez, I can't tell if it sounds familiar because of all the posting last week or if we covered this a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, Walnut, who was rumored to have killed two avian suitors who tried to mate with her in the past, has fallen in love with her Smithsonian zookeeper. Uh, they've been domestic partners for four, 14... Oh! Autoplay, hold on a second. Uh, um, 14 years. They're still yes. going strong. Walnut is rumored to have killed, yeah, not one, but two male crane suitors in the past. And they knew that when they, uh, this guy, his name is, uh, uh, his name's Chris Crow. Chris Crow. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> It's perfect. Wow. Um, so he came, he came to the zoo. Uh, she was already in the year 2004, and she'd been there a month before he was. He was assigned to be the primary crane keeper five out of every seven days. So he's taking care of her every day. Um, he had prior work experience with whooping cranes okay. that helped him get the position. Now, uh, Walnut is a white-naped crane. Does not whoop as much as the cranes he's used to. Yeah. Um, he says she did not like me right away. She was fairly territorial and made a lot of threat displays. She probably pecked at my foot and leg a few times initially, but she was a lot more approachable than all the other cranes. All the other ones would step back and be a little more wary, where she would come right up to me. Over time, partly because I took care of her and partly because she had imprinted on people in the past, she kind of just stuck with me and gradually became more comfortable with me being around her in her pen and taking care of her. Eventually, she stopped acting so territorial. She quit threatening this guy, but he still couldn't get too close to her, maybe only within a few feet. Uh, It says, it took a while before I could train her to stand still and let me do the artificial insemination technique. Um, Uh, uh, It's very euphemistic, this article. Yeah. Yeah, so he's 42 and she's 37. I don't know why it would, that would matter. We'd be like, oh, that's okay then. <laughs> like, like, she, like she's 17. That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> they threw that in there. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so she's, he's helped her birth seven chicks. Um, and uh, when she started warming up to me, he says she would do some of the crane courtship rituals which involved running around with the wings flapping, bobbing her head, jumping up and down, flapping her wings, picking up crumbs or grass or flowers and tossing them in the air and catching them. When I recognized what she was doing, I did my best to imitate it. See, that's where he went wrong. (laughs) Right there. That's the moment right there. (laughs) If I saw her bobbing her head, I started bobbing my head. If she was flapping her wings at me, I'd flap my arms as if they were wings. I'm sure I wasn't doing it right for her, but she compromised or put up with it, and it seemed to help us bond. 
man, this is like it's, a really long detailed it's a really article. Long, right. It's like, it's either that or the Twitter summaries that are the thing that actually went viral. Now I'm kind of more fascinated with the meta story here. Like, why do things like this take off years after they well, are actually did, out? Did you guys hear the, um, I, I listened to Radio Lab a few weeks ago. Did you hear the thing about the dolphins they did? No. So, like... Dolphins used to be, uh, they still are in some countries, but dolphins used to be massively hunted, you know, and people just thought of them as fish. They're like stupid sort of fish. And now, of course, you know, everybody has a dolphin tattoo in their ankle or whatever. Like dolphins have become universally loved. Sure. sure. uh, Normally. And a lot of it has to do with this research that was done in the late 60s and early 70s where they realized that dolphins indeed have a language that are you know, in a way they communicate with each other, et cetera. And a lot of this research was done by uh, these two people that had a tank and they had a few dolphins. And the whole thing sort of went under because one of the dolphins uh, with its trainer, she would try to teach, teach him words and like teach him to count things. And they would, you know, to try to figure out how intelligent dolphins are. And it was a real breakthrough in discovering they're highly intelligent. But on the side, she was giving him hand jobs. Just giving this dolphin hand jobs. And it, and it like almost tanked the study and they couldn't get dolphin research funding forever because everyone's like, you're, you're the hand job lady? And it, it really like, because she's, they interviewed her on this radio lab and she was saying she didn't think much of it. Like he would start sort of dry humping her and eventually she would just reach down and let him finish. But then it was like a regular thing where to do the training... You know, he expected a hand job, right, to do the lesson, <laughs> and uh, and and yeah, like for it really tanked the dolphin research community and all the other dolphin researchers. Like, I fuck this lady; she she screwed it over for all of us by giving hand jobs. It was, <laughs> it was just the whole story went off the rails, and I uh, I it was like one of those stories where I stayed parked to listen to it. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is the morality if it like furthers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. Really taking one for the team. Have you guys seen Day of the Dolphin? No. It's like a real shitty movie from the 70s with uh, George C. Scott, uh, where he is a dolphin trainer and he's raising these two dolphins that he has taught how to speak. And they do this like terrifying like <laughs> noise. Uh, and <laughs> one of them gets kidnapped by the U.S. Navy and uh, they're using him to secretly uh, implant a bomb on the president's cruise ship. <laughs> It's so insane. Wait, so is most of the movie? <laughs> it's most of the, like 85, 90% of the movie is just George C. Scott in a wetsuit hanging out with a dolphin. Uh-huh. Uh, and I bet it was a really peaceful. That he's his dad. I bet it was like a really peaceful filming session for him. Like, I bet he came out of filming that, those several months of production, just really calm. Yeah. So you, you, you heard the dolphins kind of, uh, discernibly speaking underwater in that weird creaky voice or what did what what is the audience experience uh he so one of them is named alpha and he calls him fa which is also just very weird for him to (laughs) it's a weird name uh and it yeah just pops out of the water and like creaks and goes like fa love pa (laughs) it's the whole thing's on youtube it's so insane Amazing. I mean, I don't George know, I, C. Scott, just like, I think it's like right before he died, he was like, well, I need money. Right. <laughs> yeah, how do, how do you find the more obscure bad movies that you're into? Uh, a lot of stuff is VHS, like thrift store kind of stuff that I run across. 
uh youtube is a great resource uh yeah weird dvds that i find in boxes that i forgot i owned from 25 years ago right right yeah i definitely uh the lack of public movie viewing has reduced that sort of thing in my life the last couple years so yeah same fun to get back into some of that uh oh i i've read i've got a couple sort of store that i could probably send you away that you may or may you probably uh have you ever have you seen splat in your face the the paintball action movie no oh my god highly recommend i remember that. It's, really, it's it's really trying to capitalize on that paintball craze that we <laughs> that there there's one scene towards the end where they're having their big paintball tournaments where a couple of guys are hanging out seeing if anyone is short on their team and needs to like need some extra players and everyone's just kind of ignoring them and clearly from context clues i can work out that the joke is that they are famous and successful paintball players <laughs> and you're supposed to go like oh that's mitch michelson and they and all these kids are refusing to have him on their team when he's like the best paintball player know. in north dakota yes. <laughs> was that the one that it, it's like a kind of like how the wizard was a commercial for the nintendo power glove uh, wasn't splat the name of like a one of the early brands of like the first paintball guns I might have. It it may well be, and I would be very unsurprised if that is how that got funding. I vaguely remember that from being a kid in the '80s that there was briefly uh, uh, some company that made sort of like the proto paintball gun. Did any of you own paintball guns besides besides me? Am I the only person? Oh, I did. No, I I went paintballing twice, I think, ever, and both times I used the guns provided by the paintball facility and I handed them back at the end. (laughs) That's what I should have done. Wait, Jim, when did you have one? Uh, I don't know. I was like 16 or 17. Uh, Went and did it a couple of times at like a paintball field, and then uh, a buddy of mine had one, so I got one, and we would go out on the like bluffs kind of in Santa Barbara and run around and paintball each other. Yeah, I got mm. talked into it when I was 17, I think. And my friend's like, yeah, we're going to do it a lot. Because there was this empty land out by this swim club where I worked. And I think probably did it once, maybe twice. And then also the thing, the gun would constantly get jammed. Like if one ball pops in it, you're just like the amount of cleanup to make sure that they don't all pop. Now that there's gunk in the cha- in the barrel, it's just like. Oh, yeah. Those things are ugh. crazy. Um, guys. Uh, I, I've so you know in my silence over here. I've been reading about this uh, jerking off this dolphin, and okay. <laughs> I so what I googled was dolphin handjob lady, and sure. surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly, all the right stuff came up. It didn't freak me out, you know. It was uh, it was good stuff. Margaret Howe uh, was her name, and it was this guy Peter, this dolphin, and. Uh, they were trying to teach them language and see if they could figure out language. So um, uh, when she would work with Peter, uh, he would get a boner a lot, and then she would she would give him a hand job, and they'd continue with their lessons. At the end of three months, NASA funded all of this this research, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, they they even gave them LSD. They gave the dolphins acid, naturally, um, uh, you know, as you should. Um, at the end of the three months, it became clear the lessons were going nowhere. Dolphins were not picking up human speech, uh, and we weren't understanding theirs any more clearly. So NASA pulls the plug on the funding. The dolphins are sent to Miami to work on the show Flipper. And Peter, being no longer receiving his daily handjobs, committed suicide. 
What? Became, no. Yeah, he became hopelessly depressed. He descended to the bottom of his tank and refused to breathe and killed himself. Well, oh my uh, god. Wow. By, by the way, uh, just uh, we prefer to say that the dolphin died by suicide. Yeah. Died by suicide. <laughs> yes. I... You don't want to encourage any uh, copy dolphins. Right. Um, this is the first I'm learning that any animal is capable of suicide. Copy catfish would have been better, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have to choose when to breathe, you know? And uh, they, Yeah, I just didn't know any animal ever committed yeah, suicide. Yeah, and I didn't even know you could do I, I guess if you put yourself down so far that if you then, like, the instinct to breathe takes over, but you're too far below the surface to have time to get back up again, I guess, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this doesn't seem like uh, just a... If, you know. if any if any dolphins are listening to this show and you're feeling like this, please uh, please get help. Do not uh, there there are resources out there for you. Um, and there are, um, th- this isn't the end of it. There are, you can have a future. And if you don't believe me, I'm now looking at the cast members of Splat in your face, and <laughs> two of them have gone on to quite successful acting careers. Oh, it was oh. Splat in your face. <laughs> I googled something way different. It was horror. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you could have Googled that would have been worse than splat in your face, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> or dolphin handjob lady. Your um, Google search history is pretty screwed. But amongst the, co- the cast, most of whom have disappeared, that there is Michelle Borth, who's been in loads of stuff, including a series regular on Hawaii Five O, and she was in Shazam, and a bunch of other things. And then Kiro Donnell, who's all over stuff. He was in Legion, he was in Fargo, he was in Ray Donovan. Oh. He was... He was in the wedding crashes. He's he's had a he's had a proper career for many years. They both have, and then, but I'm sure still, uh, paintball movie splat in your face is their proudest moment. Yeah, they're still probably living off the residuals. From that <laughs> yeah. Well, that's sort of uh, Jesse. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, the Atlantic article you sent about this dolphin thing has maybe my favorite sentence I've ever read in the Atlantic. While I am a dolphin enthusiast, I am also a firm believer that humans and dolphins should not have sex. <laughs> With each other, or they both should just not have sex? No one, no one, has, yeah. no one should have sex ever. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder if this uh, Chris Crane and Walnut ever got a little frisky. And it's not in the article. They definitely leave that out. They do say that the, because of the lifespans involved, he's sort of committed to this thing for a few more decades, or else they're not going to be able to get this walnut to uh, to produce any more offspring. Wow. At least according to the Twitter synopsis, it said, let's see, the lifespan of white-naped cranes live to be about 60, and they mate for life, so he knows he can't retire while walnut is alive, which, again, four years ago... Walnut was 37, so he's got four more decades ahead of him of crane whiffery. (laughs) (laughs) I believe is the term. Wow. A troubled teen gets his one shot at redemption when he decides to compete in a local paintball tournament. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta, uh, man, I gotta see that. I also dropped a link in there, too. I guess this started a mini craze of of, uh, paintball movies because there was a Christopher Guest-style mockumentary called Blackball, the Bobby Duke story two years after that 2004 that had like everybody from UCB of that era so it stars Rob Corddry but it's got Paul Shear, Rob Riggle Rob Hubel Jack McBrayer Ed Helms John uh, Ross Bowie wow it's a really it's a really heavy takedown of In Your Face yeah 
Wow. There, and this is recommended all sorts of stuff. This is a, a, the unofficial Easy Rider sequel. <laughs> Easy Rider 2, The Ride Home. Sick. <laughs> Wait, don't they all die at the end of Easy Rider? Yeah. That, yeah okay. But I think it's a, it's a prequel. Yeah, it's like a prequel. Um, huh. Very interesting. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to check out that splat and uh, blackballed. No, you don't. I don't think you do, actually. I think I do. I think you're fine. I mean, I imagine Black Bolt is probably quite a funny film, given the, given the talent that's in there. Oh, yeah. Actually, it probably is. But, uh, you know, the fact that it's about paintball is one of its least compelling aspects. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but, you know, that's if you're doing a Christopher Guest style mockumentary, that's the whole point, isn't it? You take something that is right. okay. incredibly low stakes. Yep. Treat it very seriously. Uh, Gotcha is the '80s paintball one I was thinking of. Oh, that's a and that was the movie. it. It's I think it's both. I remember Gotcha being it was like they're trying to be like the nerf of paintball and it just like shot out little like ink things or something. Oh. Uh, but there's an '80s movie with uh, Anthony Edwards. Oh, um, excellent! Well, we did while we were talking about NASA um, studies, a couple of people again we're still we're still on Twitter here, but. Devorpar and Paul Muxworthy both sent in stories about a mega comet. A a giant, huge comet that is hurtling towards Earth that is so large it was initially mistaken for a dwarf planet. Mm. I'm, I'm going to use the science alert version of the story. I'll put this link in here. A mega comet? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yes, this, this giant comet approaching from outer space may be the largest ever seen. There is... There's no reason to worry, though. It'll approach no closer to the sun than just outside the orbit of Saturn, but its size and relative closeness will afford a rare opportunity to study a pristine object from the Oort cloud. That's O-O-R-T. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds incredibly Star Trek. Yeah, the Oort cloud. Oort cloud. O-O-R-T cloud, and find new information about the formation of the solar system. We have the privilege of having discovered perhaps the largest comet ever seen, says co-discoverer and astronomer Gary Bernstein from the University of Pennsylvania, or at least larger than any well-studied one, and caught it early enough for people to watch it evolve as it approaches and warms up. It has not visited the solar system in more than three million years. The outer solar system, by and large, is a somewhat mysterious place. It's very far away and quite dark, and the objects in it quite small. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, thanks, science alert. The objects are quite small, probably because they're very far away. Yeah. And they look... <laughs> so seeing what's out there past the orbit of Neptune is quite challenging. <laughs> Guys, can you take this story seriously, please? This is a serious science show. We're trying to talk about the Oort cloud here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> can you treat this with the same level of seriousness that you spoke about dolphin penises earlier on? <laughs> so we have a general idea of the architecture of that region of space with a Kuiper belt consisting of small icy bodies and then the Oort cloud at much greater distances but the specifics are harder to drill down. We're getting more information from an unexpected source, however. The Dark Energy Survey, DES, which ran between August 2013 and January 2019. It poured over the southern sky in infrared and near-infrared for the course of several hundred nights, studying objects such as supernovae and um, galaxy clusters. That's the chocolate treat, galaxy clusters to try to calculate the acceleration and expansion of the universe thought to be influenced by dark energy. God, you're depth- reminding, Matt, you're reminding me. I forgot. To, did you guys t- 
turn in your dark energy surveys? I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) The deadline was two years ago. Oh, someone's going to get some dark energy punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Influenced by dark energy. What kind of Lord of the Rings shit (laughs) are we getting into with astronomy? You think think there's something Lord of the Rings about the Oort cloud? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) dude, we have stuff called dwarf stars. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the whole thing is it's just people that read The Hobbit and then they get into astronomy and they get to name all this shit. I, I very <laughs> much doubt there's any overlap between astronomers and Tolkien readers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's like very obvious that the people naming all the space stuff are just beyond like, <laughs> you know, they're going to name a star Mordor like by next year. Yeah, I guarantee you there is everything that is in Lord of the Rings has been had some celestial body named after it or at the very least a beetle or some other insect and hang on a sec carry on talking amongst yourselves while I remove a cat from the top of the dresser who is currently eating some makeup oh Oh. did I tell you you've got two of them now and it's very annoying yeah I mean they're both a delight but it's a lot I know that you wear really expensive concealer too so go I do I do go handle that and it's Um, now got saliva all over it it is weird when awesome stuff, like stuff that's universally great, um, gets Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, like it didn't make Led Zeppelin any better. I mean, but maybe it did. Maybe a, a, a Tolkien-free Zeppelin is a less good Zeppelin, and we don't know that because we can't do the counterfactual on that. Yeah, I, I suppose. I just, all of their Tolkien-driven songs, I'm kind of like, eh. Wait, you don't like um, Ramble On? Not really. Oh, musically, I think it's great. I mean, yeah, musically, it's fantastic. But it's like, so I get very frustrated when incredible music. And I mean, maybe it's cool. Maybe this is cool. But I, I get very frustrated when really, really great music just has insane lyrics that don't match the. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like it just doesn't match to me. It's right. like, you it's know, not as cool as the music sounds. It, 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 this shouldn't be about. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a parody, like a Weird Al parody, of a better song that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> I don't I agree. Know. By the way, before Matt gets back, we can probably get the story back on track about the dark oh, energy. I, I'm back. Oh, I was oh. just I just had nothing to contribute to the Led Zeppelin conversation. Oh, okay. The advantage of him still being a kitten is I can easily lift him up with one hand while opening doors and moving things. He's like a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Opening doors and moving things. <laughs> yeah. His powers include... With your mind? No, no, just the hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we still have Jim, or is he just a quiet fellow? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just yeah. also had nothing to <laughs> No, no, it's sometimes, uh, sometimes with the system we use here, people's mics go out. It's, it wouldn't have been your fault. Yeah. But sometimes we'll just be rambling on <laughs> for hey, like there it is. 10 minutes and then realize... We think someone's been kind of quiet, but they've been talking the whole time, you know, um, and we don't realize what's going on. Well, so what's going on with this dark energy survey, Andy? Right, right. So the depth, breadth, and precision of the survey turned out to be very good for identifying objects in the outer solar system, too, beyond Neptune's orbit at around 30 astronomical units from the sun. Earlier this year, a team of astronomers revealed they had discovered 461 previously unknown objects in the outer solar system in dark energy survey data. One of those objects, spotted by Bernstein and fellow University of Pennsylvania astronomer Pedro Bernardellini, Bernardinelli, 
uh, was C slash 2014 UN sub 271, which is Bernardinelli Bernstein. Uh, now they and their colleagues have described the comet in greater detail in a preprint paper accepted into the astrophysical journal letters. Chris Pratt uh, is playing him in a movie soon. Yeah. They conclude that this is a new comet in the sense that there's no evidence for previous approach closer than 18 astro- astronomical units to the sun since ejection into the art cloud. Uh, indeed, this may be the most pristine comet ever observed and that we've detected it before it comes within Uranus's orbit. Come on, guys. Uh, it may never have done so on any previous orbit. Hey. Uh, heard they named the comet after your mom over there. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Whoa, uh, was that a meow? Did we hear? Yeah, one? that was the, that was the little kitten. He he's slowly little... he's like mid transition right now from like the really tiny kitten like baby noises, and now he's like almost he's nearly there. He nearly sounds like an adult cat, but That's he's adorable. still kind of. I I can't work out why he was upset with me though. I think it was he's trying to get food even though there is food out. So he's an um, idiot. That's... How, uh, no, he sounds very smart. How, how large is an astronomical unit? Oh, that's the Earth, the distance from the Earth to the Sun. Or ah, the average, got it. Average got it. it. So it's got like it. 30 lots of Earth to the Sun distance. So uh, the Oort cloud is a huge sphere of icy objects, and that extends anywhere from 2,000 to as far as 100,000 astronomical units. Pretty big range Yeah. on this Oort big, cloud. Big cloud. Because, guys, it's dark and mysterious out there. Things are tiny. <laughs> Yeah, tiny, dark, and mysterious. <laughs> They're very far away. <laughs> They're very, very far away. Um, yeah, so this thing's uh, at a size of 155 kilometers in diameter. That's 96 Ooh. miles. Uh, C 2014 is an absolute chonker. <laughs> I used the word chonker. <laughs> that, that's partly why I've been so quiet, because I ran across absolute oh, chonker, and I've just wow. been waiting for it. <laughs> that's so stupid. But even so, will not be visible. Thanks, science. Yeah. Scientists, yeah. however, believe that taking every opportunity to study this beefy zaddy using <laughs> telescopes. They... <laughs> oh, God. Um, they hope that learning more about its composition will be able to tell us more about the early solar system and its far reaches. And that, guys, you're going to fucking flip out. That's because icy rocks from the distant fringes of our planetary system are thought to be more or less unchanged since they formed. So that's around four and a half billion years ago. Um, and the volatiles locked up in the comet's ices should therefore contain information about the chemistry of the outer solar system during its formation. And, and by the way, fair play to Michelle Starr there, who was the one who got Chonka into that article. <laughs> Michelle yeah. Starr, of a senior journalist at sciencealert.com. Yep. That's yep. Great. Good job. Good job, Michelle. Um, thank you we, for that. We should wrap up the main episode and save one extra story for our Patreon patrons. But Jim... Where can our listeners find you and find out about you? Uh, for the next uh, three weeks or so, downtown at Bernadette's, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, it's a beer wine bar kind of right by Grand Central Market. Um, and it's, uh, it's a good time. So come out. We should. We, we should. Andy, are you going to be in L.A. in I the next couple of weeks? I will be, I think, a week from this week. At, wait, what's the date? What's the last date you're open, Jim? Uh, so, yeah, the last night where we're open, we're going to do our uh, annual Dumbaween party on Saturday, October 30th. Okay. And I then, think... uh, that'll be the last hurrah. What is, the, what, is that Halloween-themed? It is. We Knew usually it. have a costume contest that I forget to judge <laughs> and uh, some drink specials and stuff. And, yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. 
Excellent. Bernadette's downtown. Yes, Matt, I will be back, I think, uh, multiple days in that time span. So we'll figure it out. Then, yeah, we definitely need to do that. We need to make some trips down to there before it yeah. goes. Bernadette's, and everyone. Get down there. You can find yeah. us, as always, probably science.com. That's where all of the links to the stories we cover and also links to our Patreon and PayPal pages. Prob- at Probably Science is our Twitter. On uh, You can also go to individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. ProbablyScience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. And we're also on Facebook slash Probably Science. Thank you to everyone who helped spread the word, supporting it financially and also supporting it vocally, telling people about our show. And Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was great. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.